Okay, I'll be reading Zechariah 10, 6 through 9. I will strengthen the house of Judah, and I will save the house of Joseph, and I will bring them back, because I have had compassion on them, and they will be as though I had not rejected them. For I am the Lord their God, I will answer them. Ephraim will be like a mighty man, and their heart will be glad as if from wine. Indeed, their children will see it and will be glad. Their heart will rejoice in the Lord, and I will whistle for them to gather them together, and I have redeemed them. And they will be numerous as they were before. When I scatter them among the peoples, they will remember me in far countries, and they, with their children, will live and come back. Thank you. Morning, everyone. Go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 2, and we'll be in Ephesians chapter 2 and 3 this morning. Um, there is, uh, we're really blessed in a lot of ways, and we can... We couldn't count the blessings if we just stood here and talked about it this morning. But one of the, the blessings that that all of us hopefully are aware of and are excited about is the Yellowstone Bible Camp and what's happening down there uh, these weeks. Elementary camp was last week. We had a bunch of our kids down there. Junior camp is this week, and teen camp is going to be next week. And there's family camps, there's singles camps, there's camps for, for all sorts of uh, different walks of life that people can go and participate in. And if you've lived ever other places, and uh, I've, I've seen this and I have these conversations. In fact, I did here just the uh, last couple of days uh, with someone. But in the states around us and up into Canada, there's, there's not near as much that happens as far as special activities, whether it be youth rallies or, or camps or, or lectureships or whatever that happens in the churches in the region, not near the amount that happens in Montana. And so that's a great blessing. And I know that there's people that, that move to this region just so they can participate with the church more on a regular basis and so their kids can be involved in youth rallies and involved in camps. And, and we are really, really got an amazing, amazing uh, thing to be thankful for and amazing spirit among us. Um, I, I can tell you that part of that, it, it takes sacrifice on all of our parts. I know several of you have, some of you have cooked at camp. You've, you've given different aspects of, of your time and effort to be there. My time is next week. I help uh, lead the teen camp, and so I'll be gone all uh, this next week starting this Saturday. And so Landon Bailey will be preaching to us this next Sunday. And so excited for that. I'll miss it. I'll, I'll listen to it online. But excited for, for you guys, to, for Landon, to be able to, to share uh, God's message with you next week. Today we're going to be in Ephesians chapters 2 and 3. And I'm going to share, uh, as I was working on some stuff the last weeks for teen camp, this is something that, that really dovetailed with what we've been talking about being, a, about being a community of the Spirit. In fact, that's a whole lot of what we're going to be talking about at teen camp. Some of the lessons that I've been giving some different people, are going, we've divided up and they're, we're going to, to share some of that at teen camp. But the lesson that one of the lesson topics I was given was uh, God's eternal survival plan. Uh, we, there's a huge industry based on, on survival. I know that how many of you, when you go out into the woods or leave home, you carry some tor- sort of survival kit with you? Some of you don't need it. You know, you just tough and you eat plants or whatever as you go along, right? I, on the other hand, carry a survival kit. I carry matches. I carry all sorts of stuff to be able to survive when I go out away from my creature comforts. Uh, that's just part of, part of how, I, how I roll. And God has given us a survival plan. There's a lot of different ways that, that we can speak to this. But we're going to look at Ephesians 3, 10, and 11. Before we get there, we're going to back up and go back to chapter 2. 
And look at chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, and we'll read through this together. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Okay, there's a pretty nasty picture that is painted right there. Is that he talks about this is what you were. We were people that were full of all sorts of, of nastiness. And you look at the world, you see a whole lot of that. You turn the news on, you don't have to listen very long to see all of this destruction that's out there. I think about it, uh, as I was thinking about some of this and pondering it this week, um, I looked over in the corner of our living room, and that's where our kids typically keep a lot of their Legos, these boxes of Legos that they've accumulated over the years. And sometimes the kids will decide, all right, on a rainy day or when it's cold outside, we're going to build a Lego city across the living room. And it's pretty impressive what my kids are able to come up with. And uh, I, I, I marvel at it, and I enjoy watching that. But something happens after the Lego city has been built for a while. You know where I'm going with this. It starts to morph into this big disaster that is everywhere. And it, it covers the living room. And you look around, and how many of you can relate to that? Okay. Yeah, we can relate to that. Yeah. And so you have this Lego disaster everywhere. And so that is how we roll as people. Uh, we've Because of our sinful nature, because of the... Uh, uh, the sin that uh, all of us have, have engaged in, that breeds all of this type of destruction that we see around us. And so fortunately for us, that's not the end of the story. Let's continue reading. Verse 4. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So here is, a, as a response, we, instead of, of seeking destruction, we have the opportunity to seek renewal and regeneration or being made new again, as, as God's plan for us is. There's, uh, in verses 4 through 10, what we see here is that God's grace transforms us into his handiwork or into his artwork. We become uh, God's, God's beautiful picture, if you, you want to say it that way. So God's grace, let's talk about grace, what that is for just a second here. Um, by contrast... The gods that the people of Jesus' day uh, served, the, the perception was, as they stood up there in wherever they were, and they looked down at the earth and said, huh, look at this, and there's a big mess down there, and I don't think that I necessarily want to do anything about it to make it better, but I'm going to see who's down there that uh, is going to make me look good, is going to give me something out of this deal, and I'm going to, to bless them because they deserve it. And I'm going to, uh, that's the way I'm going to roll. But in contrast, what God has done is he's looked down at our giant Lego mess there. Looked down at us and said, boy, these people are a mess and they need help. And I'll help 
because that's the kind of God I am, because that's what I want to do. And I'm going to send my son. He's going to be executed. He's going to become a sacrifice for their sins. And there's nothing down there. I see the potential. But before any of this takes shape, I'm going to take the first step, and I'm going to give my sacrifice so that uh, these people can have a chance to come to me. And uh, in spite of themselves, I'm going to help them get themselves out of the way. And that's the idea there. And so grace is giving something to somebody who doesn't deserve it and can really never, ever pay you back. And that's what God has done for us. Because of his grace, because what God has done for us, he has made us into his handiwork. And any one of us that has pursued the life of God for any length of time, it's not hard to see that what God has done for us, how much God has changed us, and how much we would not like ourselves if we did not have God in our life to help us change and to help us transform into to what he wants us to be. And so we understand this concept of grace, is that we need this. We need God to be working in our lives. But he transforms us into his handiwork or into his artwork. Now, how many of you have ever made something that you're proud of, that you look at and you're proud of? Yeah, there's a, my wife makes some, some desserts sometimes that are definitely works of art. You look at and they, oh, that looks great. That's fantastic. We have things that we make that we're proud of. I was uh, something I've had on my, my radar for a long time, and I, I decided that I went for it this year. Uh, I've always wanted to make a bicycle up from scratch. To get the frame, you know, someone joked with me, he said, are you going to mine the ore for the frame? And, no, I'm not doing that. I'm going to start with the frame, okay, start with the frame. And then put the components and build it up, uh, a bike that's specifically made for me. And I've always wanted to do that, and, and this year I, I did that. I, I bought a frame, and I just bought parts as I could afford them, and as I saved up money, and I put it together. And it was, it was amazing how all of it came together, starting with the frame. I had been looking for a while and finally decided on, on which frame I was going to buy. And I remember when I ordered it, there was, in my size, there were two colors. There was black and mint green. Now, guess which one I was going to choose. Let's take a wild step. Yes, this smart mouth section over here, right. I was going to choose black. That was going to be my preference. That's what, what I was going to angle for. But guess what? They didn't have it. I was going to have to wait till October, November, something like that, uh, if I was going to, uh, going to have the black frame. And so I thought, huh, okay, we'll do mint green. And I will spray paint it or something, and we'll just roll with it from here. So this bicycle frame comes, comes in. I go down to the bike shop, and I said, oh, man, you're going to love this. This, is, this mint green, you're going to be able to rock this mint green. I said, fellas. No, I'm from Libya. I can't rock mint green. It's just not going to happen. I said, oh, yeah, no, okay, we get it. No, no, no problem. It's kind of, they, that's, that was the reaction exactly. So I took it home, and Harold came over, and we, I put some, some painter's tape on it, rattle canned it, and, and so it's got little bits of mint green on it, but most of it's black now. But as the pieces of the, the bicycle came in the mail, and I put them together, um, it became something that was pretty neat, that I was pretty proud of. And when you see me riding that bicycle around and commuting around town, I'll probably tell you about it and how it came to be because I made it. There's, not, there's probably not one like it anywhere. And it was exciting for me. It's something that I was proud of because I could 
do that and put that together myself. And that's what God has done here. That's what he's telling us here is that God, because of his grace, because of his work in us, has been able to fashion us and make us into something that is really beautiful, that he is really proud of. Okay? He's good. And then he talks about, Paul talks about, uh, unpacks us a little bit and tells us more about how that is. Let's look at verse 11. Uh, verse 11 says, Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called the uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body of human hands, Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So we were once a divided people. And this for us seems like something that is a distant memory because all of our lifetimes we've had, we've been under the understanding that no matter where we come from, whether Jews, Gentiles, whatever our ethnic background is, we come to God, and we can come to God as we are. And, and we grew up under this good news. That wasn't always the case. The news wasn't always that great. But we still have people that come from all sorts of different walks of life that we wrestle with, that we uh, wonder, how on earth can I get on the same page as these people that are very different from me? Um, there's, that, there's, that's part of the nature of this world, is a, is a people that is divided. And as we look out from our world, we see... Uh, all sorts of political boundaries, all sorts of geographical boundaries that divide us and make us different. We see the colors of skin that tend to divide us and make us different. Even here in this valley, and I've, I've told some of you this before, it was interesting as coming here a year and a half ago, uh, being from Montana but coming to this valley fresh, I had no idea from the perspective of, of this area how much seven miles makes a difference. Do you know what I'm talking about? The difference in perspective or, or self-image between Bozeman, Belgrade, and then down the interstate on either side. Now, in Christ, on the other side, we don't see those. We, we embrace people from wherever they come from and, and welcome them into to God's people. That's, that's what we're called to be. Where our world sees divisions, we see unity, and we see people coming together. But that's, uh, that's the nature of our world, is, is division. Look at verse 14. And check out from verses 14 through 18 how many times the word peace comes up here. Okay, count them. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in the flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility." He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Okay, in that paragraph right there, how many times does the word peace occur? Four times. You see it there, four times. So whenever we see that in a paragraph in Scripture, it's an indicator of, of okay, wait a minute, I need to stop and I need to pay attention because there's something big that is being told to us here. We were a divided people, but through God's grace we become united through God's peace. A divided people is united through God's peace. 
And, and we come to be something different and look like something different. Where the world sees hostility, we see ways to find peace and ways to come together in unity. And there's a difference, uh, as we talked about before, between uniformity and unity. Uniformity is that everybody looks exactly the same and has the same vocabulary, all, all the above. Unity is we understand that there's differences, we embrace those, and we come together because what unites us is much, much greater than what divides us. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is much greater than anything that is a difference among us. And we're able to, to come together and put things aside because of that. Let's continue on in verses 19 through 22. You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. All right. And so this is the end result is that because of God's grace, he has made made us into this, this handiwork. He's made us into his artwork. We are divided people. We're united through God's peace. And we become God's house. Now, in the Old Testament, you see the, um, the temple the idea was the temple was that people could come to the temple, they could worship, they could see this temple, they could understand what God was about. And throughout the New Testament, the imagery that is given us is that you, all of you, all of us, all of us living together in, in a grace-filled unity, is that is God's house. This is God's temple that we show to the rest of the world. Boy, that's got to be something for all of us that should cause us to pause and think. See, God has taken something that uh, we as people, something that is uh, so destructive and uh, full of our sinful nature, and renewed us to become this artwork that is a demonstration for all the rest of the world. Let's look at chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. His intent was that now through the church, or God's people, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay, so God's people display God's wisdom to everybody. That's how things are supposed to work. As we come together, as we are as a people, is the crowning achievement of everything that God has done here on earth. Uh, God could have made... His crowning achievement, and there's a lot of achievements and beautiful things that God has done in this world. But we look out in uh, in nature, and boy, we can see it here in our world. You look at the beauty. Uh, we have lots of opportunities to enjoy that, to be out there in that, to see God in nature. Um, God could have said, "All right, my nature is going to be my biggest megaphone to the world. That's going to be my crowning achievement, the nature in this world that I've created, and I'm going to leave it at that and see what people do." He could have uh, done things really differently in a whole lot of ways. said, okay, every ten years I'm going to uh, send an angel down to, um, to do something powerful, and that's going to be my crowning achievement that's going to cause people to want to turn to me. There's any number of things that God could have decided to make his crowning achievement. But he has chosen us being a fallen people that has chosen to repent, respond to God, be immersed, our sins are forgiven, and we become changed. God puts his Holy Spirit in us and transforms us to look like him. And as a people together, we become the crowning achievement of God. 
And that God is, as we see through Scripture, is saying, you can look at all sorts of things and see my fingerprints in the world, and you can see my fingerprints in creation. But more than anything else, what I'm excited about you seeing is my people being a transformed people that look different than everybody else. That is my handiwork. This is my greatest artwork that you can look out and see that I am here and that I exist and that I am working as my people. Boy, when I think about that, I think a, a great sense of pride uh, of that God cares for us enough to, to make us into his crowning achievement. But there's a, a part of me that really feels the, feels the pressure a little bit in that, boy, this means that it is game on for me. This means that uh, it's important for God that I be transformed, that I become his artwork that he wants me to be. There's a couple of things here that we'll, we'll discuss as... Um, as uh, in, in practical matters here, God's eternal purpose for His church is for us to be a, a church that survives and a, and a church that has mission. Now, the term survival here, um, and it fits into the, the theme at Teen Camp, uh, but survival, as I look through the concordance, it was kind of interesting, is that the term survival is not used a whole lot, with, uh, it's not used with the church in terms of, well, I hope this church survives kind of thing. It's not, it's not used in that. Uh, in fact, what Lane read here just a minute ago uh, is the only, uh, this week is the only positive reference that I, the survival uh, is mentioned in Scripture is that my people, there will be some that survive and I will take care of them. That's the idea. But I have to think, there's a, so there's a side of survival if we think in terms of that that is pretty negative. Survival, when we think about it as, as individuals, spiritually or as a church, that I'm going to circle the wagons and I'm just going to, to um, be afraid of whatever is out there and we're going to protect what is right here. That is a recipe for disaster and death. It's when we approach things that way. It, it, we never go anywhere. We, nothing happens uh, spiritually. Have you ever tried to or you ever had times in your life where you're not being all you can be spiritually, you're just circling the wagons and saying, boy, I hope I survive. Things don't go very well during those times, does it? it isn't, we're not designed to be that way. But there's a good sense of survival, and that Scripture talks about this over and over again, is that we shouldn't be ones that turn aside to the right or the left, but we keep to God's message and we continue to go straight forward. It's an idea of survival means movement. It doesn't mean just sitting. It means I'm moving and I'm going to continue to do what God wants us to do every day. And knowing that through time, God works and God uh, will, will transform us and, and, uh, and we continue to, um, Lord willing, our children will be faithful and their children will be faithful and we continue on and, and God uh, continues to have a people and hopefully we're part of that. That's the idea of survival. But mission, let's talk about that. And we've talked about that on and off here this last year especially. Go to Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Matthew 16, verse 18. And this is right after Peter declares that Jesus is the Messiah. Read verse 17. It says, Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, or you are the rock, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Do you notice there, and for some reason I had this backwards in my head at, at some point in time, and I remember somebody pointing out to me and thinking, oh, having one of those aha moments. 
for some reason, I had in my head here is that the, the gates that, and it's totally backwards, but that God's people are here and that the, the gates of, of Hades or the fire is not going to, to get in as, and is not going to, to destroy us, you know, circle the wagon type of thing. But you read what Jesus says. Is, he says, I'm going to, to build my church or my people, and the gates of Hades are not going to be able to stand up against this. In other words, God's people, God is going to empower us enough to be a community of people that is able to defy death. That's what Hades means. It's the realm of the dead. And, and that was a place you know, for us, if we, we don't know the scripture, is that we're alive here, we pass away, we're over there, we don't know, we can't touch that part of this, this world. We can't touch any of that. But what Jesus says is the gates of Hades will not be able to prevail. In other words, God's people will run right through the gates of Hades and be able to have impact into this world that we have never been able to touch before, this realm of the dead. What you see here is Jesus talking about the mission of the church. The mission of the church is going to be able to influence eternity, is going to change eternity. And so that, boy, I hope that says a whole lot to all of us, is that that means that we are to be people that, that jump on this mission, that are working to change eternity, working to what, however God has designed us, however God has created us, to be active in this mission of God. Let me give you an example of, of one that I, I thought of that I heard one of the parents in Great Falls tell me a number of years ago. He had a son that was going to go to Alaska and was going to fish um, on a, a, fishing, a commercial fishing vessel there for a bit uh, during the, the salmon season. And I remember the dad telling me, he said, you know, it's kind of amazing that, that people have, have said, when your son goes up there to Alaska for six weeks, do you think he's going to be faithful? Do you think he's going to keep his faith? And this father told me, he said, I've approached my son very differently because that's not an option for us as God's people. Because if I send my son and I tell him to go up there and I hope you don't fall away and I hope things go okay, then I believe I am signing his, his spiritual death. Because whenever we approach things that way and we just circle the wagons and say, well, I hope you make it, then we've missed it. And what I've been telling my son, I said, your option is this, is that you go up there and you're going to be around people that are not godly. And your plan and your mission and what God has designed you to do is to be one who creates influence there. And so no matter what anybody else is doing around you, you be the one that is breaking into and making the influence there for eternity. And boy, his son got the picture. He understood that. And, and you can tell from this young man from that that direction from his father has really made a difference in a whole lot of lives of other people because his father didn't launch him to say, well, I hope you make it. His father launched him to say, you're a child of God and you're a soldier of God and you need to pick up on this mission and whatever you're doing, doesn't matter if you're surrounded by people that are godly or not. Your job is to be a soldier for Christ. I'd go and do it. Pretty powerful. It got me thinking about, uh, about, uh, about his perspective. I appreciated that perspective a whole lot. Um, there is a, there's a whole lot of, um, when we talk about mission, mission's scary. Um, mission takes courage. Uh, at our house the other day, uh, we had, uh, Luke was at elementary camp. And so it was Sarah, Sylvia, and myself. And um, at our house, when we are going to watch a movie, 
usually I have an ally, okay, that can vote on what type of movie we're going to watch, okay? I've got Luke, and Luke and I can, can, um, can have each other's backs, and we tend to, to try to influence the decision of what movie we're going to watch as a family, and we uh, are, are fairly successful in, in getting action movies and, and that type of thing. And those of you that do not have little girls, okay, Mike, who else does not have, as all boys, okay, you have no idea what I'm going to tell you about right now, okay? This is what happens. And Luke was out of town, and we had princess night, okay? That's basically what I call it. And what it means is I, had, I didn't have the influence in order to, to change what was, what was going to, to be shown as a movie. And Sylvia and Sarah ended up watching a princess movie. And I, I have to admit that it's not all bad, okay? I, I watched, I read, I did some other things because I wanted to hang out with my family. But there was a phrase in this movie that caught my attention. Um, it's a movie that... Um, it's been around a while. Princess Diaries. How many of you guys have seen this? Oh, so good. Oh, yeah, it's wonderful, isn't it? Yeah, it's great. Have you seen it? Okay, The Princess Diaries, Carrie. You've got to watch it. It's, yeah. Yeah. But there's a, a phrase in there that caught my attention. And it was a letter from the father writing to this, this little girl. And he said, People, the cautious do not live the long... Excuse me. The courageous... Do not live the longest, but the cautious do not live at all. And there's a lot of wisdom to that. There's a lot of great wisdom to that. Is that if we approach our Christian life from this perspective of, well, I just hope I survive, we'll kind of see what happens. Man, we're not going to do well. The cautious ultimately don't live at all. But when we approach life with courage and say, God, here I am. I wake up today. Give me your mission. Help me to be part of your mission. And whatever happens, help me to be courageous and be the example that, um, that everybody around me needs me to be. And here I go. Up, I'm out of bed, and, and here I roll. It's amazing what happens and how we're able to find ways that, that we uh, can be a part of God's mission. Now, we find as we get older, something I've, I've learned is that as, as we get older physically, uh, things start to break down, things hurt more, that type of thing. But spiritually, it goes the opposite direction. Spiritually, when, when we're younger, we tend to have those growing pains and hurts more. But as we get older, as our body is breaking down, we tend to, if we are faithful and we say, God, we, we want to be part of God's mission, we tend to hit our stride later and just get going faster as we go along. And that's a beautiful thing about the spiritual life that we have. And I know that in my life there's times where it's taken me a little bit to get going to hit the mission that I see that God has laid before me. And sometimes I'll be going one direction one day and think that God is calling me one direction then be a totally different direction another day. And as I look around, there's, there's people that I, I see, uh, a lot of people here, that I believe have, have really embraced the mission of God. And tons, okay? I can, I can just share a few. And we can share, Willa Jean's not here, okay? So we can talk about Willa Jean because she's not here. She's over in Ireland right now. But something I always appreciate about Willa Jean's energy and her excitement is that she is a, a, a tour de force in, a, in that whenever she looks around and sees a person that needs God or a, or, or a way to serve, Boy, Willa Jean is like a heat-seeking missile. It is on, and I'm going to follow that. I'm going to do whatever God asks of me, and I'm going to pursue this. 
Uh, I think that's, that's tremendous. What a, a great example for all of us. Now that I've had breakfast and lunch with Denny uh, probably once a month or every other month or something like that since so I've been here, and, and we just we talk and pray. What I appreciate about uh, where Denny's at in life right now is he looked around and said, where are some places that I can serve? And he serves in, in various ways in the church here. But he's found that there's, uh, and, and I think you do this as well, serve in the jail and go and, and teach, did, have, did for, for quite a few years. Now that Denny spends quite a bit of time throughout the week going into the jail, serving as a chaplain, and whoever will listen, whoever will sit down and talk with them, sharing the message of God and planting those seeds, the front lines, the tip of the spear, people that are in situations that, that are going to be asking those questions of God. And, and Denny has found you find fulfillment in that. You find most of the time, <laughs> sometimes not so much. And that's part of the mission of God. You look at people who embrace the mission of God, there's times where we want to quit and say, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to run. I want to do something else. But I encourage all of us is pray for that and embrace that and, and approach God from the perspective saying, God, I don't want to be one that just circles the wagons. I don't want to be one that just says, okay, I, I hope I don't fall away. But say, God, I want to be one that wants to be used to my full potential. Whatever your plan is for me, I'm on board, I'm ready to go. And that's scary to pray that because there's parts of us, if, if I'm any indication, there's parts of all of us that want to hang on to, to, to what, no, I, I, God, I, I'm fine with you doing this or that with me, but not X, Y, or Z, okay? And so I'm not really going to pray that with heart because I don't know what you might do. But it isn't until we finally let go, say, all right, God, you're leading that what happens is, is God tends to uh, work in our life and give us a mission and give us a place to serve in his kingdom that is totally different than anything anybody else can do. Or we approach it in a way that is different because each one of us is gifted uniquely by God's spirit to work in his kingdom in some way that someone else can't. And it isn't until we let go and say, all right, God, lead, I want to be part of your mission, that we, uh, uh, we start to get in step with what God has always designed us to be. And when we do that, boy, <laughs> life is exciting. And we find that fulfillment that we can't find anywhere else in life. And as we go along, even if our body starts to break down, we find that we find more and more and more contentment in life because we see that God is using us as part of his mission to do something that really matters. So no matter what age we are, no matter what situation we are in life, that's something where we can all start right now. Say, God, I don't want to be a wagon circler. I want to be one that says, yeah, I'm, I'm on board with your mission. Lead me today. It starts today. And here we go. And when we do that as individuals, as a church, we can become a church more and more that sees the God's mission around us, and we continue to, to expand and to make a difference wherever God calls us to plant seeds for his kingdom. Day in, day out, all of us do that. Hang on for the ride. Exciting stuff. If you'd like to become a Christian or you would like prayers of the church, you're welcome to come forward. Let's stand and sing together.